welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Psalms 107 and verse 21 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Has God ever done a wonderful work in you? Verse 22, And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. I want to read that again. Verse 23 and 24. They that go down into the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in in the deep you don't see them from the shoreline you don't see them from the mountaintop it's one thing to be a trailblazer because you can cut a path for others to follow but when you're a sailor there is no path before you and there is no path after you and David said God reserves his wonders in the deep for those who are willing to push off the banks and leave the safety of the shore and press into the... I don't know about you, but water, deep water scares me. Deep water scares me. Even in a freshwater lake, it scares me. Because I can't see what's down there. But David said that God reserves his works and his wonders in the deep water. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to, before I give you my title, can I say this? It is not the most apropos title that I could come up with. And in case this might offend you, I ask for forgiveness in advance, but then ask that you would reserve your offense until the end of my message. Okay, just hold on to it. I'm not saying don't get offended. Just hold on to it for a little while, okay? And then if, if I don't, if I don't, make it right or make it make sense then just be offended bless your little heart be offended all day long but this this is look at somebody say it just is what it is and and so if you'll give me 90 minutes I'll make, I'm just kidding if you'll give me just a few minutes I'll make it make sense but I want to preach on gambling on God Gambling on God. Don't anybody run out here and head to Reno or Vegas, all right? But I want to preach to you about gambling on God. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the incredible atmosphere of victory that we feel right now. Lord, you are better than we could ever deserve. Your mercies fail not. I pray, Lord, that you would open our understanding that you would give us fresh revelation and insight. Lord, I pray that somehow you would speak a word through me 
into somebody, Lord, that would encourage them to launch out into the deep. Those that have been serving you on the safety of the shoreline, Lord, I pray a wind catch their sail and take them to the deep water. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you thank the Lord again before you're seated? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Look at somebody and tell them some of God's greatest miracles are reserved for the deep water. Amen. Look at somebody else tell them you can gamble on God. You can be seated. Christopher Columbus was a sailor, but he was also a gambler, I think it's safe to say. He gambled his life, his ship, his fortune, his reputation, and fame on a dream. One historian wrote of Columbus, and I quote, the belief that the east could be reached by sailing westward was held by many learned men and was not original with Columbus. But he was the first and only man of his time who was ready to gamble on that belief and risk his all in an attempt to demonstrate the theory. For this, he deserves a place among the greatest characters of history, wrote Henry William Elson history of the United States. History also shows that Columbus had a conviction that not only could the east be reached by sailing west, but Columbus believed that God had raised him up to accomplish this great work. He never wavered from the conviction that he felt his sole purpose on this planet was to sail east to reach the west. Amen. Also, uh, Elson would continue to write, and he would say, quote, he knew he was, his constant boast, a servant of the Holy Ghost. With that confidence, Elson put it, Columbus gambled. He gambled that he had the skill, the fortitude, the men, and the material to see it through. Others laughed at him and said, you're going to fall off the edge of the earth because the earth is flat. Boy, isn't it amazing how they're starting to say it again. Amen. (laughs) It's hard to believe that there are people that truly believe. And if you believe that, bless your heart. Amen. (laughs) Some people say, well, Pastor, why don't you believe the earth is flat? Because I've been in an airplane. Amen. (laughs) You're going to fall off the edge of the earth. You're going to sail into the abyss. Amen. But he put, he put it to the test. He staked all his belief on the fact that he was destined, he believed by the Holy Ghost, to sail that direction and finally see a land, amen, to which he thought would it be India, but that he would sail around the world. Amen. He gambled. As he would say, he gambled on God. Again, Elson put it, he set sail, my men, the hour has come for shipwreck or millennium. He was willing to push out in the deep. The psalmist in our text describes the ocean-going vessel that does business in great waters. The Jews were, as a rule, not a seafaring people. 
To them, the sea was a, a thing of menace and mystery. Uh, the Jewish people did not have great navies. They were not a seafaring people. To journey into the deep waters place one uh, at risk of losing so much, uh, of giving up a quiet village and a calm life for the fickle sea, surrendering family and friends for the rascals and the characters that live on the water. Losing the privilege of worshiping in the synagogue or the temple was too great of a risk for them. Amen. So they, they learned to just be fishermen. Losing that privilege of worshiping at the synagogue and temple was not worth them living on a ship to discover the, the deepness of the dark waters. Homesickness, seasickness, heart sickness and the thought of perishing at sea and being unable to be buried in the sepulcher of their father was an abominable thought to a Jew. And so for David to write this, it had profound meaning to the Jewish people. It was perhaps the dread of the sea that caused John to emphasize the absence of oceans in his apocalyptic vision of the world to come in Revelations 21 and 1. But what the psalmist saw the ocean was, was a vast gamble. It was a great risk and a great gamble. He realized that the man who ventured upon the sea risked everything, risked losing his life, but also the person that was willing to risk everything would also stand to see great gain if they were willing to push out into the deep. I think that society structures it this way and quite possibly rightfully so, that the people who risk the most typically make the most money. Underwater welders make more money than commercial welders. Nuclear welders make more than underwater welders. What is that? They can only work like five hours a year. Two welds a year, how, how much is it for a job? Yeah, so basically they weld four to six hours and make several hundred thousand dollars. Why? Because they're welding in a nuclear reactor. The risk is they can come out of there growing a third arm or their children be born with five eyeballs. But they take the risk and they're paid handsomely for it. And uh, just throwing this out there, do with it what you want. Uh, since our military men and women take such great risk, could we flip the pay of Congress to our servicemen and the pay of our servicemen to the Congress? I think that'd be a good, that's a good solution for me. Since all they risk is greed and corruption and riches at the hands of the lobbyists, let me get back to my notes. Since great risk, you want to make good money, be willing to take a risk. This is why people that climb telephone or, or, or power poles to change out power lines, they make good money and always have great life insurance because it's a risk. When Brandon became a paratrooper in the military, his pay went up $300 a month for hazard pay. $300, a whopping $300 more than his, his, what they would call leg or infantry counterpart because they were willing to drop out of a plane. I think this is why, mil, uh, why our, our law enforcement should be paid for because they take great risk. Society has understood this for years, for, for centuries. 
that those who are willing to risk should be benefited with the reward. The one who risks more seeks more. So he wrote that those who launch into the deep see God's mighty wonders and they were, as it were, gambling on God. Now I think it's necessary that I give a caveat here. Gambling is probably not a typical word that is used in a sermon title. So I grant you that. As I said, hold on to your fence to the end. Gambling has very few positive ways to look at it. I, I can think of at least 10 ways that gambling is wrong. Gambling trusts Lady Luck more than Jehovah Jireh. Gambling is motivated by a love of money. Gambling is inconsistent with work ethic. Boy, I know I'm going to get in trouble. Let me just pause this ain't in my notes. It won't cost you anything, but this is why lottery tickets sell more in the underdeveloped and inner city than they sell anywhere else. They bank on people's desperation of being poor to buy lottery tickets and everything else. They don't sell the same amount of lottery tickets in the suburbs as they do in the city. And you know people and I know people that rather than put 40 on the light bill will put it on tickets behind the cash register. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth anyway. It's a tool of the devil. When I was in sub-Saharan Africa, when I was in the Congo set by a man who owned multiple casinos throughout the Congo and Zimbabwe, and I looked at him and I said, how can they afford a casino in the poorest countries in the world? He said, you would be amazed at what a person can get addicted to thinking they'll get rich. So gambling is inconsistent with work ethic. Gambling violates God's law of distribution of wealth. Gambling is similar to theft in motive and in practice. You still offended at me? I'll keep going. Gambling oppresses the poor. Let me say it again. Gambling oppresses the poor. Why do you think they push it so hard in poor communities? Gambling is addictive. Gambling is always associated with other evils. Gambling is poor stewardship. And gambling distracts from true riches. And just let me throw in number 11. And never forget, while Jesus died on the cross, there were soldiers who were gambling below him. While the shadow of the one who gave it all on the cross hung over them, they were gambling for his clothing. But for title's sake, I find myself still drawn to this word, gambling. And I think it starts because, if we would be honest, every man is born a gambler. Every man is born a gambler. The ancient psalmist discovered a great truth. All of life involves risk. All of life involves risk. Let me help you. Quit bubble wrapping your children. Life is going to happen. And the more you try to protect them from life, the worse it's going to hurt when they get older. They need to learn to succeed and fail while you can still help them. 
but if they constantly believe they're the most precious thing God ever created and they're never wrong, you are going to set them up for what we see now as 20-somethings. To fully live, you've got to dare to live. You've got to dare to live. In a profound sense, every man is born a gambler. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. The psalmist would, would have us to believe that the more we dare, the greater our possibility of reward. And the only way to win is to risk. And if you want to win little, risk little. But if you want to win big, risk big. Everything we do in life involves some element of risk. Just being born into this world involves a risk. First of all, you and I were born to live forever. We weren't consulted. God did not sit down with us and ask us how we chose, chose to be born. Some were, some were born into extreme poverty and some born into privilege. It's amazing how most would rather flip their birth. The poor would say, I'd rather be born rich. And the rich said, I wish I'd know what it was like to struggle. Suffice it to say, we're human, so we're never content with our birth. And Sigmund Freud didn't help this out any. His theory of everything is wrong in your life because of your parents is echoing through our society today. Some argue that it may have been better if they were, and, and, and it may have been safer to have been born a beast. I've heard this. Some look at a cow standing there chewing the cud and think, now that's the life. You stand around and all you got to do is eat. And for all you salad diet people, that's all cows eat and look how big they are. So I'm going to eat me some bacon. Amen. <laughs> they say that's the life they love. I wish I could have that life. Just stand there and eat all day. Well, have you ever seen the end thereof? You wouldn't sacrifice your life to be a cow if you could. But some people think that way. Some people are disillusioned enough now that they're calling themselves animals and want to be identified as such. We used to put them people in a place to help them. Now we're supposed to expect to play along with them. I've experienced disillusionment and disappointment, but I have never seen a cow experience disillusionment and disappointment. I've watched people weep. I've watched people struggle. I have seen people struggle in the quagmire of despair. I have seen criminal things that people do to each other. But I can also tell you, for every untamed tragedy, there is also unspeakable joy in the life of a human. Over yonder is a man who cries, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? And over there cries another man, If a man dies, shall he live again? To risk is to be born because our whole existence is a risk. You run the risk of suffering a headache. You try to mitigate risk, but, but all of life is a risk. All of life is a risk. 
Drink this, it'll make you fat. Drink that, it'll give you cancer. Eat that, it'll give you headaches. Don't eat that, you'll get a headache. You have to calculate the risk. Amen. Drive that, it's not as safe. Don't drive that, it's too safe. So why not be born a clam? See, a, a clam never wrings its hands. A clam never blushes in shame. In shame. A clam is not haunted by the failures of its past. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I've, I've actually had some FaceTime with clams before. And as of yet, I have not seen a single clam die of a broken heart. But the clam pays a high price for this exemption. It doesn't weep but it also never laughs. It doesn't sob, but it doesn't sing. It will not experience hell, but it will never experience the splendor of heaven either. Its losses are small, but so are its gains. And let me remind you that the man who cried, oh, wretched man that I am in the next breath in Romans 7 says, I thank God. Life is a risk. You're going to have days where you weep, but you're going to have days where you laugh. You're going to have days when you're on the floor weeping, but other days when you're on the floor dancing. Life is a risk. And the one man who wonders, a man, if a man will live again, also shouts in Job 14, I know that my Redeemer lives. I want you to be comforted in the risk of life that God is still in control of absolutely everything in our lives. Living a life to the fullest is a risk. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were in uh, amusement parks and took great risks. I will ride roller coasters, but I don't necessarily enjoy roller coasters. But never to be outdone. Never to live in the shame or the shadow of an 11, now 12-year-old. <laughs> will I say no to a roller coaster? And after much pain and agony, despair and intercession. We finally got on the biggest roller coaster in the park. And I was not prepared for it, even though I had watched a YouTube video to try and settle my angst. I got on that roller coaster with that little booger right there and sat on it and did not realize that it would go from zero to 70 in under two seconds. That wasn't the scary part. The scary part, it did that, and then it shot you up a 200-foot incline only to drop you down at 70 miles. It's one thing to climb and fall. It's another thing to be shot like a rocket straight into the air. You see, life is a risk, but I will tell you something. I have not screamed nor laughed as loud. I have never been more excited and more in despair and within the moments of a few seconds than I was on that ride, and when I got off, I didn't say I'll never do it again when I got off I felt the little hand grab mine and say let's do it again daddy the line is short 
And so we rode that roller coaster at least, and I not exaggerate, at least 22 times that day. We rode that roller coaster until my neck and back hurt. Why? Because life is a risk. You might as well buckle up and shout hallelujah because all of life is a risk. You can either weep at the fall or you can laugh because God is in control. Well, over 120 years ago, the two bicycle mechanics named Orber, or, or, Orville and Wilbur Wright made up their minds that they could fashion a craft that could fly through the air like a bird. What a gamble that was. A sane man would say and did, no one will ever fly, but confident of victory. They set about to fulfill their dreams, and they put their lives at risk, but accomplished man's first flight. And from flying just a few feet for a few seconds over 100 years ago today, we fly thousands and thousands of miles with a plane not having to touch the ground. Why? Because life is a gamble. Let me tell you something. Marriage is a risk. He said, don't say that. No, it's a risk. Having children is a risk. Being a child of God is a risk. I mean, let's go back to the cross for a moment. Soldiers were gambling there at the cross, but was not the cross itself the biggest gamble of them all? Jesus gave all to purchase an unseen church. He gave his life for you and for me when we had not yet even been born or have the ability to make the decision. All of it was a risk. But I'm thankful that he gave his all. I'm thankful he took a chance on me. I'm thankful he went up Calvary's hill and died on Golgotha's cross. Amen. And shed his blood for me and for you. Let me say this. God wants his children to be risk takers and to step out on faith. Not, not, not for the, mil, the mere thrill of being a risk taker but to step out on faith to see the wonders of God. Those doing business in great waters, David said, sees God at work. The psalmist goes on then to describe the depths. God brings the waves. The moment a wave is at its crest point, pointing to the heavens and the next moment it is plunging into the depths of the sea the soul the soul and the of the sailor melts in one moment and they stagger to and fro at their wits end but in the deep they cry to the Lord and God hears them and calms the sea when he shows up just in time hear me carefully here this afternoon had they never launched into the deep God would have never 
were shown up on the waters that day. But when men gamble on God, they are never disappointed at the result. When they step out in faith, you're never going to be disappointed in the result that God has for your I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Quit trying to play it safe on the shoreline of life. Quit trying to play it safe dockside and living for God and launch out into the deep and see if God won't show up for you. David stepped out into the deep with simple faith that God was displeased with Goliath boasting over God's people. And in 1 Samuel 17, David gambled on God. And a giant went falling down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not know if they would be delivered. But they stepped out on faith. They had never done it before. Nor had anyone else tried it in the history of mankind. They had no idea that they were going to meet the fourth man in the flames of their persecution. But in Daniel 3, the fourth man showed up. You want to know why? Because no man will ever gamble on God alone. He always shows up to those who are willing to step out on faith and risk everything and say, I still believe that God is able. I still believe that God can. I believe what God is looking for right now is somebody to step out and say, just because it hasn't ever been done doesn't mean it won't ever be done. So I'm willing to launch out a little bit deeper. I hope I'm helping somebody here this afternoon. Elisha said, okay, Elijah, I'm going to take a risk here. I, I want a double portion. And Elijah said, well, that's not, that's not for me to give. And, and even so, this is a hard thing that you're asking of me. There's a chance. There is a chance, albeit a small chance, that if you see me go, God will come through for you. And Elisha refused to take his eyes off of Elijah. He ignored the criticism of all the wannabe preachers. And followed the man of God. And God came through in 2 Kings chapter 2. And a double portion of that prophet's spirit came upon that man. When the mantle fell, Elisha took the man, took it by the hand. All eyes were upon him as they watched, looking over the crevices in the rock. And there, the usually loud audience of criticism and naysaying watched as Elisha cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he took that mantle and he slapped the waters with that mantle. But do you know what happened? God didn't leave him there by himself. He took a gamble on God and the water stood up and that young prophet walked across on dry ground. I'm telling some of you, it's time to take a risk. It's time for you to step out on faith. It's time for you to believe like you've never believed. It's time for you to pray like you've never prayed. It's time to step out on faith. Simon, 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 sit down. Simon, 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 stay in the boat, stay in the boat, stay in the boat, stay in the boat. It's wet, the water's coming in, but you, you sit down, sit down. You, you always got that one friend that acts up, right? Sit down, Simon, sit down. 
Sit down. You always got to be the loudest and the dumbest. Boy, sit down. Okay, Simon, I get it, I get it, I get it. These waves are tossing us to and fro. I get it, we're about to die here on this Sea of Galilee. But don't you remember, Simon, that God, that God in the flesh, Messiah told us to get in the boat and go across the deep. And if God told us to get in the boat, Simon, we ought not get out of the boat. Look, look, Simon, I know we forgot the drama. I mean, we're all getting sick up in this thing. But listen, you need to sit down and you need to shut up and you need to hold on. Sounds like I've told that and heard that before in my life. Sit down, shut up, and hold on. That's messy. Message I'm gonna preach. Sit down, shut up, and hold on. Amen. Some of you, I'm about to backslide because you won't sit down, shut up, and hold on. You better hold on that God is in control. Eleven wet faces nodded at Simon. As Simon is reaching his leg over the bow of that sinking boat. Eleven faces nodding at him. Sit down, Simon. Sit down, Simon. Their hands were outstretched toward him to pull him back in the boat. But in the last moment of his reasoning that said, sit down, he looked over his shoulder and he saw an outstretched hand from the man from Galilee and he heard the word that said, come. And Simon stepped over the edge of the boat and on to the deep waters that everybody else was afraid of. And there's Simon. Yeah, criticize him for sinking all you want. But Simon Peter walked on the water to Jesus until Jesus took a hold of his hand. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're being tossed in the boat. Maybe the design for your life was never to live in a storm-tossed ship. But maybe the design for the moment of your life right now is to step out of your comfort zone and step into the deep waters where God has miraculous and wondrous things for your life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this afternoon. Church, even when we risk and fail, it is far better to fail in the hands of God than to succeed in our comfort zones. Let me say that again. It is better to fail in the hands of God than it is to succeed in our comfort zone. Widow of Zarephath, what are you doing? I'm gambling on God. Widow with two mites. What, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm, I'm gambling on God. Zacchaeus, you're giving away so much. What are you doing? I'm taking a chance on God. Money cannot compare with the currency of joy and peace of mind. Many of you in this room were tormented with all the what ifs in your life. And you've thought to yourself many times, if I could find that telephone booth that would take me back 25 years, I'd do everything different again. I would take that risk. I would jump instead of cling to the ledge. I would speak instead of be silent. I would have been silent instead of speak. You cannot live a life of regret in your past. All you can do is muster up all the courage from your failures of yesteryear and step out in faith with God because with God, all things are possible. God wants you to step out in faith. Why? Because stepping out on faith unlocks God's plan for your life because it brings glory to him. Because it brings glory to him. And God wants glory in your life. God don't get glory out of the mundane decisions you make for yourself. God gets glory when you step out of a boat. God gets glory when you 
God gets glory when you march around the walls. That brings me to my fourth point that gambling on God brings God glory. Because after the storm, God shows up and brings a calm notice. Amen. And he tells the wind, settle down and shut up. And then the psalmist said in 107 and 31, the book of Psalms, he said, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's why we step out in faith. And that's why we gamble on God because of his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. It's not to see what we can get, but to see how much glory we can bring to God in doing what we were afraid to do for risk of failure. I can't tell, and, and, and relations in life will teach you much how God is, and I cannot tell you how many times as a father, and I don't say this to embarrass her, but I cannot tell you how many times as a father I have had to look at my child on the verge of taking a risk and say, look at me. Would I ever tell you to do something I know would hurt you? And some of you are leg lifted over the bow of the ship and all you can think of are the what ifs that go wrong. But have you ever considered the other what if? What if God actually does what he said he would do? Pastor, what if I start that business and it fails? What if you start that business and it succeeds and you become a multi-million dollar blessing to the kingdom of God? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Pastor, what if I step out on faith and I fail? But what if you step out on faith and God succeeds? I still believe in that we serve a God that can do more than we ask or think. So I want you to start asking. And I want you to start imagining. Step out on faith. I pray this afternoon God is rocking the boat of your comfort zone right now because it is so easy to get at ease in Zion. It's time to push the envelope. I said it's time to push the envelope. I'm speaking to the spirit of the church. It's time to push the envelope. We may just put a bid on a building we don't think we're ready for. We just may ask, we just may ask a, a, a price that they laugh at. Wouldn't be the first time. We're standing in the building they laughed at the first offer. And then the second time we talked to them, they took significantly less than our first offer. A Abraham said, he will spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there are only 50 righteous people. Right? 
He said, I wonder if God will spare, spare the cities of the plain. If there, okay, there aren't 50, but what if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? In other words, what Abraham was saying, it's, I'm willing to take a risk. I'm willing to believe that God could stop it if he wants to. I'm willing to believe that God can reach out and do the impossible. Listen to me. And this is the point of what I'm trying to say is that in God, there really is no gambling because he is true and his word is steadfast and his word endures for heaven and earth shall pass away but his word should never pass away oh that men would praise the Lord for his wonderful works toward the children of men it's when we come through our trials that we bring God the greatest glory in our life it's when God gives us the answer just in time that great glory comes to him I'm preaching to somebody in the storm I'm preaching to somebody who's holding on to the docks and I'm telling you, launch out into the deep. If you want to see God do the miraculous, launch out. If you want to see God do the wondrous, launch out. Hey, Bartimaeus, what are you doing? Bartimaeus, calm down. Bartimaeus, hey, 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 calm, calm, calm down. I know you hear me. I know your ears are twice better than your eyes. Listen, what do you think you're doing? No, don't take that off. Bartimaeus, leave. Bartimaeus, sit down. Shut up. That's what they said. Bartimaeus, what are you doing? Bartimaeus, calm down. You're getting too excited. Bartimaeus, what are you doing? Bartimaeus, don't take that off. Bartimaeus, put that state-certified beggar's garment back on. Bartimaeus, put your identity back on. Bartimaeus, you better wrap that thing back around you, that beggar's garment. Bartimaeus, you're blind. If you don't put that garment back on, you may never find it again. But Bartimaeus was gambling on the one who stood before him, the one whose mercy is matchless, the one whose power is sufficient, the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And while Bartimaeus was still blind, he stepped on the deep and he cast away his beggar's garment. And Jesus, some of you need to step out in faith. You need to cast away your beggar's garment. You need to cast away the garment of shame and guilt and say, my God is able. You need to step out and, and, and accept your miracle today. You need to take the risk this afternoon and say, okay, it's time for me to quit playing with this thing. Maybe there's somebody here this afternoon who's yet to be filled with God's spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches us you can take a chance. Open your mouth after repentance and God will fill it. Maybe there's somebody here who's never repented of their sin. Take a chance. He'll forgive it. Because he'll honor his word. There are new worlds to be found. There are new discoveries to be made in your walk with God. But it cannot happen from the shores of complacency. It only happens when you're willing to launch out.
Simon, have y'all caught any fish? No, master, we've told all the night. Hmm. Launch out into the deep, son. Are you kidding me, Jesus? We've been fishing all night and we ain't caught a thing. Launch out into the deep. Nevertheless, at your word. Oh, either this boat's sinking or my tummy's growling. I've been up all night. Is this good? A little further. Oh, carpenter trying to tell me. Okay. All right, boys, get the nets. Throw them over the left side. Nope! Throw them over the right side. Well, I reckon since we're already out here, maybe we ought to just throw them on the right side. All right, Paul, let's get these stupid nets in and get back home. I'm ready to see Mama and eat some cornbread. How deep are we? We must be hung up on a, on a reef or something. Gilbert, help. John, get over here and help me pull this. You worthless tax collector, Matthew, just sitting there looking at everything. Help me pull this thing. Ah, and I'm pulling. Get over here to help. It's full. You see what happens? Because you're never really gambling. His word is sure. Oh, his word is sure. You can have confidence that God is going to come through for you. Hey, man, I'm saying go ahead and shout. Well, I've shouted before, but do it again. Go ahead and worship, but I've worshiped before. Do it again. Give again, but I've given before. Give again. Ask for a Bible study. I've already asked pastor for the Bible study. They said, ask again. The Bible is filled with stories and miracles of the second chance. Don't let the moment pass you by today when God is saying, all right, you really want it? Step out in faith. Now I know what some of y'all are doing, and, 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 and I understand. I, I really do understand. You're saying, okay, pastor, I'm going to step out in faith. Just tell me what to do. Sorry. I can't, because here's the truth. Here's the truth. If you would be honest with yourself, you already know what it is. You're just waiting on me to tell you what it is. That way, if it doesn't work, you can blame me. Oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth now. 
Pastor, let God lead you in the gift to point and single me out and say, thus saith the Lord. Not even going to ask him. You want to know why? Because I got faith. You know the voice of God. Are you willing to step out? Folks, it's never easy to launch into the deep. But oh, the wondrous works of God that are far from the shoreline. I can't imagine what it felt like when Simon Peter's first foot touched down on the Sea of Galilee. I, I don't know, and you don't either. Maybe his foot just, just went down a little bit, like stepping on really soft carpet. I, I don't, it just went, and then he stood up and was like, maybe it felt like concrete. I don't know. But I believe he put one foot over, and he did the test. what it sounded like. <laughs> Y'all are looking and not reaching this. remember all this is happening like 15 foot swells so one minute he's 15 feet up here and next minute oh, somehow I feel like karate kid you know? like the Bronx raspberry but he does he starts walking that I'm, I'm imitating the waves and then at some point he looked around and went man this is groovy hey, wait a second and Jesus listen Jesus grabbed him by the hand and lifted him up. He said, oh, you little faith. When did you begin to doubt? He already knew the answer. He began to doubt when he took his eyes off Jesus. Some of you have yet to even put your foot over the edge. Some of you have, and you're on one foot. Some of you took two steps and now you're looking up at the bottom of Jesus' feet. Take the risk. One thing is certain, you'll never see his wonders sitting in the grandstands. It's only when you're willing to step out.
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his wonderful works toward the children of men. Are you willing to have enough faith that God can save your family? Are you willing to have or to exercise enough faith that God is able to do the impossible? If it's possible, you can do it. If it's impossible, only he can. I know this profound. If it's impossible, only he can do it. Let me read our text again as I close. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Are you ready to see the works of the Lord and his wonders? like stepping out of the port right now would you lift your hand right where you're at your frustration has not been with God's plan your frustration has been with your inability to take the step oh hallelujah hallelujah God's telling you like a father telling his daughter do you think I would do anything that would hurt you come on come on come on can you take the chance can you take the risk are you willing to step out into the deep are you willing to launch out into the deep hallelujah <laughs> are you willing to feel the surge and the thrill and the power and the glory of God as you ride from one wave crest to the next are you willing to step out you may say pastor I'm not ready I'm too young I'm too old not yet not my time I'm telling you God says step out step out step out push out open up your sails and let the wind of his spirit carry you into the deep waters come on come on come on come on in the name of Jesus you've been dreaming about it for years you've been talking about it for a time but God said come on out come on out push on out a little bit deeper unfurl yourselves oh but God what if I fail no 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 God won't ever fail you but God what if I sink but what if you walk what if God does everything he promised he would do oh he wants to get glory out of my life and yours oh he wants to get glory out of our life would praise him for his wonderful works. Anybody willing to launch into the deep? Pastor, I prayed for that miracle and it hasn't happened yet. Pray again. Pastor, I believed and I haven't seen it. Believe again. Oh, he's going to do something in your life and it's going to begin now. It's going to begin today. Come on, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Should I say the greater act of faith, the greater the reward. Hallelujah. Anybody willing to step out? 
on their pew and say, yeah, I'm coming to the front as if it were the depths. I'm stepping out right now as if it were the dark unknown. I'm going out because I believe God has destined it for my life. God hasn't called me to sit on the shore. God hasn't called me to just sit here and talk about it. But God has promised great things for my life. I'm going to walk into that greatness. I'm going to step into that miraculous. For it is not by mind or by power, but it is by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. God's going to get the glory out of it. God's going to get the glory out of it. Hallelujah. When we get that new building, God will get the glory. When your home is filled with disciples, God will get the glory. When that healing takes place, God will get the glory. again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.